0: I'm not very responsive with this. (laughs) They found a way around that though. I have a phone and a lot of the times my phone is either, the battery's either dead or it is in some other room or it's on silence and I have to ask one of the kids to ring it and then they might ring it and I can't find it and yeah. So they found a way around it. So most people, if they want me, they... Probably find Romeo first, even though he's in Bahrain. <laughs> yeah, so, so you see, I'm probably not one of the best, pe- or maybe I'm probably the best person to talk about this, because I need to learn to be responsive, especially to these. But I don't want to talk about that sort of responsiveness today. I want to talk about a different type of responsiveness. So I went to... You know how I like looking for my um, word meanings? So I went to the dictionary again. Um, And what I did, I looked at the root word for responsiveness. And that root word is respond. And respond is a verb. It's a doing word. It's an action word. And it means to say or do something in reply or as a reaction to someone or something. And then I looked at responsive. And this is kind of where it gets interesting. Because responsive actually means, it's an adjective, and it actually means reacting quickly, and positively, or responding readily with interest. So this tells me that respond, it is not just a verb, but it's a positive action verb. I looked in the dictionary and every meaning that I found actually says that responsive is a positive action. So you cannot say you're responsive, but you're responding in a negative fashion. Because responsive, it's used here, especially in our family value, we are responsive, it's an adjective, and it means reacting quickly and positively or reacting, responding readily and with interest. So as a church, what does it mean for us to be responsive? It means we are quick to respond positively in whatever situation or circumstance, but not just to anyone or to anything. I want us to look at Isaiah chapter six, from verse one to eight. It's a bit of a long, and most of you would know. Um, so I'd read through it slightly quickly, and it says, "In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe, the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim." Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, Isaiah, in this vision, he is lamenting his own sinful situation, because in his eyes, I am seeing the Lord. But the Bible tells us that no man can see the Lord and live. So he is lamenting his own personal situation at that time here I am. Send me. So by the time Isaiah heard the voice he'd remember he was lamenting where he was. But he still had his ear to hear God's voice. And what did he do immediately when he heard God saying, "Who will go?" Did he hesitate? The word didn't say that. It said, when he heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? He said, here I am, send me. He didn't look for somebody else around him who potentially in his eyes might have been in a better situation than him. He didn't look for somebody else who maybe didn't wasn't crying and saying, woe is me, but they might have been, praise the Lord, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. He didn't look for anybody else. He didn't look for somebody else to fill that gap, to fill that void. He said, Lord, here I am, send me. I am willing. He responded positively and quickly. You see, this is Isaiah's respond to the call of God. That's his response. And that is one of the first things that we respond to. We are responsive to the call of God in our lives. That was a life-changing moment for Isaiah. It's that moment that he gave up control and decided to submit his will to the will of God. He had no clue what he was letting himself in for. None of us really do. Because when God says, once you gave up and you submit to God, you're giving up control of everything that you have and all that you think you are to his will. So, like I say, we've all got the call of God in our lives. It's what we do about it. Let's look at First Peter two nine. It says, "But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation." God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, a lot of these scriptures, we constantly, I grew up saying a lot of these scriptures because I learned them. I used to go to an after school Bible club and they would give us every week, um, they would give us scriptures. Sometimes they might give us the entire chapter. And the more verses that you learned, it's the more stickers you got. And if you know me, I'm quite competitive. (laughs) So I made sure I learned them all. I learned them. And if it meant that I was going to learn, I'd give up my Saturday playing with my friends to learn every single verse of that chapter that we got. I was doing it. Because I wanted to have the most stickers. So it was not necessarily that I wanted to learn the scripture for what the scripture was saying to me, but I learned it. I learned it. So a lot of the times I used to walk around and some, sometimes you're walking around and you're just like caught in scriptures because you, you know the scripture. But sometimes do we actually stop? And think about what those scriptures are saying to us and what it means to us. What it means to our lives knowing that we are in Him. Because these scriptures, sometimes we could take them as just words on a page. But they need to come alive in here, they need to come alive. We're God's special possession. Yeah, When we respond to the call of God in our lives, we become his. His special possession. Let's look at Romans 12, 1-2. And I like, really like this in the Amplified Version. He says, Therefore, I urge you, this is Paul speaking, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, Dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational and logical and intelligent act of worship. And do not be confirmed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed by the renewing and progressively changed as you mature spiritually By the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Now, one of the things that we constantly sometimes, like I say, lament about is the fact that, but I don't know what God's purpose is for me. I don't know what his plan is what 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 what's God's purpose what's my purpose in life What's your purpose in life It's in his word It is in his word that you may declare the praises of him who sent you and who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What is your purpose? It is Matthew 28, 19, 20. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. It is letting your neighbors know. It is also loving your neighbor as yourself. The Bible tells us everything we need to know about who we are and his plans and purposes for our lives. It is what we do with what we know. So when God says yes, like Isaiah, sorry, when God calls, like Isaiah, we say yes. We say yes. You see, someone's yes to the call of God started a chain reaction today that has impacted your life and mine. There's a song that we used to sing um, when I was quite young. It said, somebody prayed for me. They had me on their mind. They sacrificed their time they fell down on their knees and prayed for me. They had no doubt that God would bring me out, that he would change my life and set me free. I'm so glad that someone prayed for me. Because they said yes to praying for me. They didn't leave where they were and go to the other end of the world, which sometimes we think that is our purpose, all they did was to say yes to praying for me. And I'm standing here today. When God calls, we say yes. And That brings me to ask this question. What impact if any, does our yes or my yes actually have on this and future generations? If it's got no impact, does it bear thinking about though? I read, <laughs> um, I just want to quickly read to you a quote um, by um, Charles Spurgeon. I I get this daily quote from um, Charles Spurgeon daily. Um, And it says, If sinners are zealous in their sins, should not saints be zealous for their God? If If the things of time can stir human passions... Should not the realities of eternity have a greater and more tremendously moving force? If these men will spend and be spent and stretch every nerve and run the race merely for the crown of politics or ambition, where are we? What idlers and laggards are we that we pursue the things of God with but half a heart. What is our response to the call of God? Is it a yes? And if it's a yes, don't let it be a half-hearted yes. Because we've got to be weary of apathy. We've got to be wary of not having any interest or concern for anything pertaining to the work of the kingdom of God. You see, after Paul talks about how we are to act in Romans 12, 1 and 2, when he gets down to verse 11, you see, he warns us of being passive in our response Verse 11 says, never lagging behind in diligence, a glow in the spirit, enthusiastically serving the Lord. Enthusiastically serving. I don't know if anybody here has ever seen me on a netball court. Oh, yeah, Maria might have. Oh, Lyndon would have. I am beyond enthusiastic. Well, I was slightly older now but you don't want to see indies like she's constantly like calm down mommy calm down I am enthusiastic about anything to do with sports really I am trying to keep away from what Pastor Jeff needs to get to today <laughs> you know Carmen so um, was it earlier this year we were just chatting and some, somebody said something and, and Carmen said, no, you can't, we have to be careful because Camille's already got her Christmas calendar planned. <laughs> <laughs> I am enthusiastic about Christmas, so please stay back and help me decorate. Like, honestly, could you please stay back and help me decorate? Because, yes. And the thing is, right, I was, this week, I was like, I can't believe church, because I, I, I hadn't been well, so I haven't decorated. And by now, my house is decorated for Christmas. That's how enthusiastic I am. Sorry, Simon. But I hadn't yet. And I was like, church can't be decorated before my home gets decorated. <laughs> so I made come and get down the Christmas decorations. He was not happy. <laughs> yeah, I did. He was not happy when I made him get down the decorations. And yeah, we were getting there because I honestly, any, you know, I am so enthusiastic. But that's what Paul is saying with the same enthusiasm that I have for everything else in everyday life. That's what Paul, um, Charles Spurgeon is talking about. With the same enthusiasm that you have with the things of the world, why can't we be enthusiastic for the things of the kingdom of God? Why isn't our response what it should be? Why sometimes do we become so blasé and lackadaisical about the things of God? Why can't we be enthusiastic and diligent about the things of the kingdom? Why can't okay let's? Why can't we be enthusiastic about the things? that we do within these four walls that will impact outside of these four walls. Never lagging behind. Do you know what lagging behind means? You're dragging your feet. I'll put it another, you're dragging your feet. Why are we dragging our feet? When it comes to the things ...of the kingdom of God. Be weary of apathy. Be very weary of apathy. Secondly, we're responsive to the lead of God. So firstly, we're responsive to the call of God. Then we're responsive to the lead of God. John fourteen twenty six says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring, to you your, and bring to your remembrance all things that I say to you. We cannot do this walk without the Holy Spirit. Now, a few years ago, um, a well-known worship song took the world by a storm. Um, <laughs> and we sang this with Gustav. I remember the very first time we sang this song in church. It was amazing. We all sang it with such exuberance. And there was just something about the words, you know, the lyrics, they just like flowed so well together, the melody, everything about this song just kind of pulled and tugged at each of our hearts. And so the song said, you know, spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. That says, I will trust you implicitly, wholeheartedly. Whatever you say, I will do. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. And I think when we sang this song, I'm sure all of us meant every single word of what we were singing in that minute. But then what came of that? So being responsive to the lead of the Spirit, it takes a measure of faith. It takes a measure of trust that God knows what He's doing. So we're blindly singing, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Hold on. You're without borders. Yeah? Lead me wherever, wherever. That is saying, wherever you call me, I will go. Maria, the next time you sing that song, think about all the places that he would call you to, where you probably would think, I really don't want to go there. So then, when we sing, lead me where my trust is without borders. It means there is nothing stopping my trust in where you're calling me to go. Nothing is stopping me from trusting that where you're calling me and what you're asking me to do, that I can't handle it. And not just that I can't handle it, but even if I get to the point where I can't handle it, I know I could handle it in you. It's hard to follow somebody that you don't trust. Think of somebody that you don't trust. <laughs> I'm sorry, I said that, and jo- Josh looked at Jono. <laughs> He was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I saw that as soon as it happened. But think of somebody that you don't trust. Or in a situation where there was somebody that you couldn't trust within a particular situation, would you follow that person blindly? Be honest, would you? Because I wouldn't. As a matter of fact, if they tell me run, I'll hide. And if they tell me, run, I probably will hide. You know, if they tell me, hide, I probably will run. So you, you, you've got to trust somebody before you would be able to follow them and follow them with the level of faith and trust that God is asking us to follow him with. But as you build relationship with God, as you build relationship with him through the spirit, through the word through prayer, through worship, as you build relationship with him, you'll get to the point where you realize he is most trustworthy and faithful. So then it becomes easier to say yes. And then even in times when you struggle to take another step, even in those times, because don't get me wrong, We're human, and it is hard sometimes to see the bigger picture. Don't forget, the Bible tells us that his ways is far above our ways. So he sees what we can't see. He knows the end from the beginning, but all I can see in front of me are waves crashing all around me. All I can see in front of me is everything is falling down around me, but yet you're asking me to trust you blindly. I find it easier to trust God blindly now, to have the faith in him that he requires of me. I find it easier now than I did when I first started with him. Why? Because I have learned his character. I have learned who he is because my relationship with him has grown. The first time Romeo came to me and said, hey, would you be my girlfriend? I was like, no. The second time, it was still no. And even after a few months and he came back, I was like, no. Because I didn't trust him the way I trust him now. So now if he comes to me and he says, let's go here, I am quite tempted to say to him, take the kids, because I just don't feel like going. (laughs) But I will go without even asking questions because I trust him. I know who he is, and I know he's not going to take me somewhere where he knows I really don't want to go either. But you see, even when I can't see for everything else that's blocking my vision, I still take that step in faith because I know that God is powerful and he is able. And then he brings to my remembrance scriptures like Jeremiah 29, 11 that tells me he's got good plans for me. And it brings to my memory John 8:28, that tells me, "All things work together for my good. So I take the step of faith and I go where he leads. So my response is to go. My response is to go. Where he goes, I go. And what he says, I do. Getting that? Good. So thirdly, we are responsive to the needs around us. So first, we are responsive to the call of God. Secondly, we're responsive to the lead of God. And thirdly, we are responsive to the needs around us. Last week, you heard all about Caring Hands. We looked, we had, Pastor Jeff gave us an in-depth look at the needs that exist through Caring Hands. And you know, we're so thankful for the work that Caring Hands do. And I'm sure some of us were so moved by the need that exists. And I want to ask you again, what comes of that? But it's not just the needs that exist through caring hands we're talking about in terms of being responsive. It's what you see at the school gate when you drop the children off. Maybe you're out having coffee and there's somebody around you that maybe is having a hard time And God shows you that. What do you do then? You see, being responsive also means to keep your eyes and your ears opened and peeled to the needs. The little things that God would show you on a daily basis. Because in your walking with God, his spirit constantly speaks to you. So there's no way you would go through a day without God showing something to you showing a need that exists somewhere, even if that is just to drop somebody on your heart. And you might not be in a position where you can text that person at that time or you can call that person at that time, but you can pray. You can pray. Once you've seen that need, how then do you get from that knee-jerk heart reaction to actually doing something. Because we all get that knee-jerk heart reaction, that thing that tugs at our heart. And in that moment, we feel, oh, I really want to do something. But as soon as we walk out the door, or as soon as we do something else, we forget that thing that God's dropped on your heart. We forget it. So how do we get from there to actually doing something about it? You see, there are a lot of needs that need to be filled. A lot. And I'm sure we've heard so many messages about this because this is something that we're always talking about. We're always talking about the work that caring hands do. And maybe you struggle to see how you can respond positively to these needs that sometimes are right in front of you. Because life is busy. And sometimes you think that's just something else that's just going to come on my plate. I'm already juggling all these amount of plates. How am I supposed to do this? And if you didn't listen to the message last week, if you weren't here, have a listen to that message. Because Pastor Jeff looked at so many different ways where you can, especially with things like caring hands, you can pray. You can fold clothes. And while you're folding the clothes, you can pray over the clothes. And you can do so much. And, you know, even, you know Pastor Jeff did this. And I really want to thank the, those that are already doing so much. Thank you. Because you're already filling a need. You're praying. You're coming here. You're doing caring hands. You might be that mom that's always, always encouraging another mom at the school gate. Because you've seen the need in her life. So thank you for that. And God sees that. But again, I want to encourage us. In Galatians 6, 9 to 10. Paul says, Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap if we do not give in. So then, while we, as individual believers, have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, not only being helpful but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being and especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith. Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the right time you will reap your reward. I didn't say that. The Bible said it. The Bible said it. So let me ask you, what talents do you have that can fill a need right here, right now? Have a look around. What talents do you have that can fill a need here and now? Pastor Andy always said this. Um, See a need and fill it. I remember when we were at St. Vincent College, we used to have um, service at St. Vincent College. One evening we were in Portsmouth, um, and at that time we were transitioning from the Portsmouth worship team coming over to kind of getting our own worship team. And I remember Pastor Randy walking up to Roman, he was like, Right. So, do you play an instrument? And Romeo, being Romeo, was like, "Well, yeah, you know, I play the trumpet." And Pastor Randy was like, "Mark, that was um, Mark Carter. Um, don't you have a spare bass?" Yes. Okay, come bring it and get get a um, what do you call that? Amp. That's it. Get an amp. Get a spare amp. And right there and then, Romeo became—he'd never played a bass guitar before—but right there and then, there was a need, so he had to fill it. He became the bass player for Gospel. See, where there's a need, you fill it. Alan Hazel Stacy. You saw a need and you filled it. Thanks for the work that you do with caring hands. The drivers, do you know there's like, we got drivers. Are we, got, we have a need for drivers for caring hands, especially around Christmas time. We need drivers sometimes to deliver these hampers to, other, um, to families that need it. Some of them can't come to collect, so we need to take to them what gifts do you have that can impact the kingdom of God here and now? You see, sometimes we live as if eternity is ours, time is ours. Sometimes we live as if we're in a bubble. So this is my need. And this is all there is. but God didn't save us for that because the Bible tells us that the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful. We don't only reach the loss. Through meetings like this, because sometimes they struggle to see what we're talking about. They struggle to see why, even though we've got problems, too and we've got needs, we're here jumping and waving and we're like, yay, praise the Lord. But they struggle to see that sometimes. And what's going to impact their world is how we meet their need. Because we talking about a saviour that meets our needs. They don't see it. But when we meet their needs on his behalf, because we are the face of his goodness and the kindness. Here, right here, right now. Don't disqualify yourself. Do not disqualify yourself thinking what you have isn't enough or your talent isn't good enough. Do you remember the widowed woman? What did the prophet ask her? What do you have? Moses. God asked him, what do you have in your hand? What is it that you have that can impact God's kingdom here and now because what you have is enough in his hands. So what's our response today? Is this just another message where we think it was good, but then it stays as that just another message Some of us may have taken notes, but then do these words then propel us into action and responding to the call of God on our lives? What is it that God's brought to your attention that's been tugging at your heartstrings? And yet somehow you've done nothing. So my challenge today is to not let it be another message. Let it not be something you've heard and think, oh, today was good. Let's go home now and that's the end of it. Let it not be just another day or just another Sunday, but let it be the pivotal moment in your Christian walk with God. Let today be the day you say yes. I'm saying yes to your will and to your way. This is my response. What is your response? I'm going to end with Ephesians 5 16 to 17. It's from the Amplified Version. And it says, making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. Therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that this is not just another word to us. But it is the word that propels us into action. Lord, it's the word that causes us to say yes. We are responding positively. So our response today, God, is yes. Yes, yes, Lord, what you say we will do and where you go, we will go. Father, may our eyes be open to seeing the needs that are around us and not just to see the needs, but to see ways in which we can fill those needs. Father, may our lives impact the world for your kingdom. May, they, may, our, may, may our lives impact our world, our neighbors or friends or family. May they see you in us and be drawn to you through us. Father, thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. And even if we might have had it, we might have, not done it then, we were coming and we were saying, now, Lord, now is the time. This is our yes. Amen. I really pray that this propels us into doing what God's called us to do. That this is the catalyst for action. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much.